Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You don't just live in your home, you live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. Hello, everybody. Hopefully you're doing okay on this day or evening or whenever you're listening to it. Maybe you're listening to it on your morning walk, on your, you know, your Peloton ride or wherever else. Like, I just always, when people email me and they tell me the context in which they're listening to this show, it really brings me joy because uh, that's the same way that I do podcasts. You know, you're doing something else, whether it's working out or whether it's like cooking dinner, whatever it is. But we are here talking independent music. That is why you download this podcast, why you listen to it on a week-to-week basis. And last week's was was a real banger. We had a lot of downloads last week. Apparently, a lot of you like Gate Creeper, and a lot of you like Chase as a human being, because, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of downloads last week. And I expect that trend to continue, because we have a great episode with Mike Reed from Small Brown Bike. I love Small Brown Bike deeply and passionately. I saw the band a lot in the early 2000s when they were touring off of uh, Our Own Wars and The Riverbed and just... Uh, a lot of great records, and they have since put out a ton of new music over the past, I don't know, like eight years or so, um, you know, EPs here and there, just like, just a really good band. So I wanted to pick Mike's brain because they are such an interesting band existing in the Michigan area where most people would have assumed that they were probably from Florida <laughs> based on their sound. But uh, yeah, if you have not checked out Small Brown Bike, please do yourself a favor, go listen to their, uh, you know, discography, wherever you uh, listen to music. 
Uh, I highly recommend their record, uh, Our Own Wars. Um, it's a really, really, really good record. But frankly, you can't go wrong with any of their stuff. So that's what we do here, and that's what we're doing this week. But you can always, always, and I encourage you to please email the show, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. I get to all my email, I respond as quickly as humanly possible, and I like to have that dialogue because, um, you know, it's fun to interact with all of you fine people who I might have a one-sided relationship with. I want to have a two-sided, is that, or actually an actual relationship, as opposed to you just listening to me talk in your ears. And then if you wouldn't be so kind as to review this particular show on Apple Podcasts, that it just helps the show from a you know uh, algorithm perspective. It helps people discover this thing and makes it legit in the uh, the big algorithm's eyes. Also, I'm doing something fun that I've been really really enjoying on my own personal Instagram at xpurposex. If you want to follow me along there, but every Sunday I've been having a guest. And we talk records. Like we basically bring five, seven inches to the table. My guest brings five, seven inches to the table and uh, we share stories. And it's really, really fun. I've had guests of, or previous guests of this particular podcast on there. And it's just a really good time. So if you like vinyl, if you like talking about bands and stories, join me there. Um, yeah, that's, I know it's kind of a weird self-serving plug, like follow me on Instagram, but that's not really why you don't even have to follow me. You can just <laughs> duck in there on Sundays and be able to, uh, to view the stream. So fun stuff, but let's talk to Mike Reed. Okay. He, like I said, if you have not listened to Spot Run Bike, do yourself a favor, check them out. And then, um, yeah, dive into this convo. So here is Mike. It's actually funny because I've uh, I've interviewed interviewed you before. This was like oh wow. oh oh yeah, dude. It's funny. Like we, I think when you guys came through because I live in Southern California, you guys played at Chain Reaction with uh, Ghost, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, or the Ghost. Yeah, um, yeah, yep. Yeah, and it, I think yeah, that tour. Yeah, exactly. And I was uh, I, I wrote for a zine out here called Status Magazine, and. Yeah. Um, it was you were my first like I guess in person interview for lack of a better term. Like, wow, that's awesome, man! <laughs> yeah, it was, and and you were sweet, and you know we had a nice little hour long conversation. Not like I'm expecting you to remember it, man. Um, I'm, I feel like dick. <laughs> no, dude, come on, give me a break. That was like 20 years ago, dude. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was you know whatever 2001 or something like that. But um, the uh, I, I saw you the first time you guys came out here to Southern California when you played at Coos Cafe with uh, Thrice and I want to say Kelton DMD. If that sounds right. Yeah, probably was that with Casket Lottery too. I want to yes. say that was the West Coast tour with yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. 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 And uh, I, re- I I was familiar with you guys and I was uh, you know interested in seeing you guys, but it was funny because I'm sure. Uh, my experience of the way that people described small brown bike uh, is very indicative of how most people, you know, came to listen to you guys. Where it's like, oh yeah, it's like hot water music, but a little weirder. I was like, okay, cool. And then yeah. watching you guys, like, you know, you could clearly see the influences that you were pulling from, but at the same time, you were, you know, obviously doing your own thing. Was it? Um, you know, w- was it kind of interesting for you guys, like as you started to 
you know, navigate the world and tour and stuff like that to kind of live in that shadow of like, no matter what, we are always going to be compared to this band. I mean, flattering comparison, but we're always going to be compared to this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We never really, I mean, it was there and man, the hot water did so much for us. I mean, not just even just inspiration. I mean, the first time I saw hot water was, uh, was at a little DIY space in, in Kalamazoo with giant's chair. Um, and it was just like, and I, I will never forget it. It was just really, really awesome. Both bands, giant's chair too, just kind of, were one of those, you know, touch points that kind of started to, you know, change my perception of, what i you know music and just how to make it really and so they're 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 for sure inspiration you know from a creative perspective and then once we you know met them and 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 just got to tour with them and really it was like they totally felt like um you know it's not like they were a ton older than us but they were like a you know big brother band in some ways (laughs) they're like yeah they 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 were so awesome and just inspiring to watch i mean you see them live and it was just like it just i don't know it's just some really really incredible moments so um and then you know get off stage and just we'd all be laughing and you know just to become friends too such a such a cool thing so so i you know like even though our our style i think you know as we kind of um like kept pushing forward you know and 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 some of the later stuff we started, you know, push more to different sounds and stuff like that. Didn't maybe sound as much like hot water at that time. I still, I don't remember ever feeling like, man, we got to get out of from that shadow. You know, we just never have to, there was, it was at least the way I'm remembering it is just like total inspiration from just as people and just creative inspiration. And they just had that blend that I, you know, I really, really aspire to like that. It's just, positive and just really you know put a fist in the air and really have a great time listening to music and, and all that stuff so so yeah that's my you know that's how i feel about hot water i mean i could go on you know for a long time but yeah from, from a small town you know just in michigan I, I definitely remember seeing them that that night and i wasn't really gonna wasn't planning on going to that show the one i talked about in kalamazoo and just kind of it was a monday night or something and then somebody said oh you gotta check out this band and it was like yeah, I'm glad I did. Yeah, you're like, oh, this is how my life has changed now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Right. Definitely one of those bands. Yeah, and I, I think you know what uh, I mean, especially when you are you know a band and trying to you know do the thing, make a namesake, and obviously you know do the work that it takes to get people to pay attention to your art and what you're doing. Um, you know, it doesn't. It's not harmful to be like, oh yes, like I'm we are inspired by these bands and you know yeah we're not making no no bones about the fact like it would be weird if you got up there and you were like i don't even know who hot water music is you know like that was your you know and it would be yeah. like what are you talking about like of course you do and you're like oh i heard them yeah yeah you know like you did that whole yeah i see the similarities but you know we didn't even hear them when we were doing this. like <laughs> yeah no that's a that would be too weird to do that yeah no, I mean, it was, you know, um, I felt like lucky. I mean, it was like one of those things to be even accepted into, you know, what I saw. It's, you know, we were, we looked at No Idea and Hot Water in Gainesville and a, a ton of those bands just like, oh man, they're, they're just great, really inspiring stuff. Um, and so to be kind of accepted and then brought along and then, you know, it was, it was just awesome. It was super rewarding, you know, just to feel like, Oh, wow, this is cool. I guess we belong here, you know, or whatever. Somebody thinks we belong <laughs> on this tour or on this label or whatever. So it, it was cool. Sure. It's just a, it, I definitely look back at that time. It's just like, I don't know, real. Yeah. Positive. So. Sure. Yeah. Well, especially too, because you know, where you guys were coming from, 
you know, from a geographical perspective, you you guys obviously did have a scene up there, but really there weren't bands like, you know, I mean, you guys touring and playing shows with thoughts of Ionesco, like, you know, like that was a, a function of they were your friends, but like sonically, you guys could not be more different, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> and, but then, you know, you, you kind of like uh, look to these other scenes where you're like, oh man, it seems like if we lived down there a lot, you know, like <laughs> we might be able to play a lot more shows with bands that, you know, have sonic similarities to us. So yeah. I can understand the fondness that you have for being kind of welcome in, even though you're not from their area. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, geography was a huge part. I mean, I, I really same, like, I love the fact that Michigan, we were, it was all people who had kind of a, um, you know, in the scene, who just love music. And yeah, it was all different kinds of bands at that point, you know, but we just loved playing together. Cause yeah, we were friends and like, and that was cool. I mean, I think we all can think back to those times when like, yeah, you'd have a show where it was a, you know, a punk band and a real quiet indie band and then a metal band or whatever. And that's just how it was when you're, you know, and, but it was really cool too. Cause I took inspiration from any, you know, was never like, Oh, I'm just into this style of music. Like being able to come from a scene like that, where it was all different kinds of bands. Um, it just kind of, we, you know, there was always something that inspired you. And, and a lot of times if I look back, like, people would ask like, Oh, you know, where's your inspiration? What do you get inspiration from musically? And, and I, a lot of times I'd say, yeah, it was our friends bands. The ones like initially it was all the ones, you know, around Michigan that we would just play with. And we just get so excited that, okay, we got a show in a month and, you know, we get to play and see our friends bands and stuff like that. So that hodgepodge of sound is really just like, I don't know. It, it's fun to think back on it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of putting the focus squarely on you. Um, you know, I know, I mean, obviously you and your brother played, uh, you know, music and, you know, clearly were influencing one another, but, uh, you know, were you guys born and raised in the, the, I mean, where the, the band kind of came up or did you guys move around Michigan? Yeah, we were, we were born and raised in a, in a small town in Michigan called Marshall. And, um, we just, we actually grew up like, um, out in the country, like our, we was about eight miles North of town where we, um, it was just a farmhouse. My parents, you know, that we moved into when I was like one and it was just way out in the country. And we, we lived right across the street. My parents were the caretakers of a bird sanctuary. And it was just like, you just made your own fun when you're out there, you know, you totally like, whether it was, you know, building ramps in the barn to skate or, you know, eventually it was learning music and we practice out there and all that stuff. So, so it was, I guess that was part of the, you know, when we were, uh, just, you know, growing up was just like, cool. You just DIY, make your own fun, you know, wh- whatever it was, build a fort in the, in the woods or whatever. So, um, so yeah, when we started, you know, it was like really when, when small round bike started at that point, we had, you know, moved up to, um, like East Lansing, Lansing area, uh, which is about 45 minutes North of us from, and it was like, that's when we really kind of, you know, for college and work and stuff like that. And that's where we really started forming and, and setting out and doing more shows around Michigan and the Midwest and stuff like that. So. Sure. Sure. Yeah. The, I mean, that sounds really weird as far as being caretakers of a bird sanctuary in a rural area. Like that's, that's not common. <laughs> like that's. <laughs> yeah. I guess, so, yeah. Totally. <laughs> So, so, I mean, was it like, uh, you know, was it like uh, a sort of wetlands area or was it like an actual conservatory where it's like, you know, here's this dome and here's all the birds living in it? Like, yeah, no, no, it's it's like thousands of acres managed by the Michigan Audubon Society. And it is, uh, I mean, I still go there today with my kids and family. We hike around there. It's a really, 
special spot to to me um but yeah it's just beautiful acres of land there's a marsh there's the sandhill cranes um migrate to and from there every year so in the fall like there's thousands of cranes that come through and like the sound of cranes flying uh through the air it's like it's just like it's super iconic to me so yeah it sounds weird i guess coming from a, a guy in a band or whatever but it's it's super ingrained into me like just growing up uh somewhere like that where it's super peaceful and and whatever just yeah being outside and just enjoying that part of life for sure listen it's a l- little bit cold these days right you know what you need band merch Band merch can outfit you, your house, with all of the warmth you possibly need. And you do that via rockabilia.com. Use this code PC100Words. That gets you 15% off your order. And you'll be able to buy blankets, long sleeves, sweatshirts, sweaters. They have everything you possibly could want. Like I am looking at this really sick Metallica Ride the Lightning white long sleeve with sleeve print. It's just so cool looking. But Regardless, you will find what you are looking for there. Fast shipping, amazing customer service, all officially licensed, above the board. They pay the bands out. And like I said, an independently run business, they know what's up. They've been they've been doing this for like 20 plus years. And I just love what they do. So go to the website, type in some bands. You'll be able to get some great merch and a great deal. So PC 100 words that lets them know that this particular show sent them and that you will be purchasing band merch via them because of this podcast. So let's keep the virtuous cycle going. Rockabilly.com PC 100 words, 15% off your order. Keep warm. Was it just you and your brother in the house or do you have other siblings? Nope. Just the two of us. Yeah. It was my brother and I and my folks. And then we always had, you know, pets and stuff like that. But yeah, so, but we definitely, you know, like, by the time in high school, we were getting in, you know, or we were in music, you know, my dad had records and guitars and stuff around the house and my parent music was always kind of part of the house. But, um, in high schools, we started getting into like getting our own instruments and kind of learning how to play, you know, bar chords and stuff like that. And just learning whatever songs, learning <laughs> Led Zeppelin songs or whatever. So, um, sure. so yeah, we would just sit out. I mean, yeah, you know, and it was not like we were just completely isolated. We, we, you know, we went to school in town and like we had plenty of friends. We'd be in town playing and skating and stuff like that. So, uh, but yeah, de- definitely by the time we were in high school, we were just kind of messing around more with instruments and learning songs and then, re- you know, learning together, kind of playing stuff together and stuff like that. So, so yeah, it was just yeah. Cool and you're, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you are the younger brother or the older brother? I'm the older. Yep. I'm three years older than Ben. So, um, got it. Got it. So yep. he, he was the baby and he got spoiled and you, uh, took all the, <laughs> the brunt of the punishment. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I know. We got it. You know, it was funny. I mean, yeah, by the time, you know, he was always, you know, whatever, but we were playing shows. I mean, he'd be, you know, 15 years old or whether, whatever, just playing bass and, and whatever. So he, um, and like, Trav, who was also, you know, in small run bike, his brother, he had a brother who was three years younger too. So the four of us spent a lot of time out in the country, whether it was skating, building forts and stuff like that. So like, that was kind of our, you know, four of us. That was your crew. Yeah, Yeah. totally. So... (laughs) <laughs> no, that's that's cool. Um, and you know, as you started to you know go to school and start to you know b- develop some of your own identity, you know, did you like like what kind of kid did you find yourself being? You know, were you like you know trying out sports? Were you like oh I, I love school? Like where did you find yourself? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I, I I was into like um, 
like sports never really stuck with me. I just wasn't good at it. You know, it's just like whatever. I got into skateboarding in, in middle school and like team sports and stuff like that. You know, I tried out for the basketball team, whatever, and just like I don't know, just wasn't in my <laughs> my DNA or whatever. And so, sure. but skating was great. You know, it's just that kind of thing, especially just being able to. You know, I like riding BMX bikes and stuff like that. And so, skating just became this thing. It was, I, I don't know. I think um, sometimes the competition part of me, I was just like, I just, I don't know, it just whatever. You're like I don't care that much. Or yeah, I'm like I just like you know skate with my friends and hang out and and um you know I like baseball and stuff like that. But and then I was you know I was I like school too. Like I you know I um I was okay at it. You know I could get you know it's always just work for me and I could get through. I liked reading and all that stuff. So I was you know I could do academic stuff and then but just outside of that it was just like yeah I, like just kind of not really just kind of doing things my own. I always liked that, whether it was drawing, my mom was an artist. And so she would, you know, we were little would take us, you know, painting and just go outside and paint and stuff like that. So I've always been, you know, on more on the art side of things and, and, but skating really was that, that was that kind of the pull into the world of, cause skating had so much cool art with it and, you know, music and all that stuff. It was like that kind of drove me into, you know, getting more into music and all that stuff. Sure. The, the subculture opened up. Yeah. 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 And I, I think that's, uh, it's always interesting too, because the I mean, most people, uh, that obviously get attracted to, you know, weirdo subculture art, it, like skateboarding is such an entry point because of what you articulated where it's like the art is interesting. Um, you know, the music is cool. Like it's all cool. And there's like yeah. nothing that is like, uh, unapproachable about it besides like, Oh, I can't do these sick tricks but like you know it's like i i I embrace everything else but the fact that maybe i can't do a kickflip very well right yeah totally no it was yeah it was it was a total kind of combination of art and music and just and just being outside and just like i don't know enjoying just whatever just be the freedom of it and whatever and and yeah so it was yeah the total (laughs) the total package to see like yeah this this is definitely cool this is where i want to be and just kind of go from there so right um, what and how did that get i guess introduced to you because you know most people uh look at skateboarding you know even though arguably in the you know mid to late 90s is you know when it became more of a uh mainstream culture thing but you know how how did you trip across it was it just like random friends throwing you skate videos or what was the deal? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I was into BMX and Trav was the one who was getting into like skateboarding and it was there in, in our small town. I mean, there was definitely other skaters in town. And and so it was, you know, the, um, at that point, like Paul Peralta and Tony Hawk and Lance Mountain, those, that stuff was making its way into Marshall. And so, um, something, you know, once Trav said, Oh, you know, you should try skating. I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then there was enough of a, of a skate community here that we were into it. Um, that it just kind of, whatever it was the, you know, there was a small group, but it still was enough that that we would build ramps and you'd see people out and go skate and whatever. And so, um, and then, yeah, once the videos and there was a skate park over in Kalamazoo, (coughs) um, where like there was a Powell demo there where like got to go you know, see Lance mountain skate. It was awesome, you know? So there was definitely a, a small, but vibrant like community of, of skaters around here. And so, and yeah, once videos and all that stuff took off, it just was like, you know, that that's what all you do. You get up in the morning and then whatever, watch skate video for a little bit and, you know, and then go out and skate all day or whatever in the summer. That, that was the thing. So, um, yeah. 
so it was fun. Then we started branching out, you know, we drive around and leave town and go, once we had cars and stuff, we could drive around the state a little bit and go to different spots and stuff like that. But there weren't really any skate parks or anything like that. It was just like, go out and, you know, skate, skate the street. And then we had built a ramp, a wooden, a huge, like we had a barn at our house in the country and we built a huge ramp in there. We just built a bunch of, you know, a uh, spine ramp, just a bunch of stuff there. And so that was our little skate park. We just go right out into the barn and skate all day. So that's <laughs> so, yeah. awesome. I, it's a string in a skate interview. <laughs> well, no, I, I just, I, I oh, think yeah. it's, I, I think because uh, so many people, have different experiences, you know, based on their geography of, you know, not only different skate styles, where it's just like, you know, obviously like you're talking about street skating and ramp skating, where it's like some places that's not accessible at all. So street skating is the only thing you can do. But then to your point, you start to figure out all these other ways to, you know, like view the world through the lens of skateboarding where you're just like, Oh, like we could probably skate here at the school. Like, because I've seen it in other skate videos, <laughs> like you just start right. to view yeah. the world differently. And then in turn, because of all this, you know, the music that's influenced by it as well, you start to be like, oh, I'm looking at the world completely differently than all my peers. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, we had, and there were a few, like the, some of the older brothers or older guys in town that they had, you know, tapes and, you know, mixtapes and stuff like that. I check out this band or whatever. And it just was like, so between the videos and that, yeah, it just started to kind of open your mind a little bit to like, oh, cool. There's more than you know, music out there in the woods on the radio or, or MTV or whatever. It's like, and so, um, and there were still, you know, record stores at that point where you'd go around and, you know, you could go drive and you get tapes and records and stuff like that. So I always love that part of it. So. Of course. Yeah. You're just buying, you're, <laughs> you're really buying blind where it's like, you know, you oh, and your yeah. friend go there and you're like, all right, I'm going to buy this circle jerks tape. You buy the dead Kennedys tape and we'll tape it for each other. And then that's it. Oh yeah, totally. No, I love that. I love like just going in and buying records just because the cover looked cool or whatever. It was totally my thing. So, and I just got cool stuff for for sure. So. Right. Right. And it's also funny when you make a, you know, a quote unquote mistake where you buy something and it ends up not being that good. And you're just like, Oh, well, I'll still, I'll, I'll try to like it. Right. Yeah, totally. I swear this is good. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, so what, what were kind of some of the early, uh, you know, bands that kind of opened up your mind in regards to the more, you know, independent side of things, like you were talking about the stuff that obviously wasn't on the radio. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like in like early in, you know, like in probably middle school and stuff like that is when we started to hear bands like, you know, seven seconds and just kind of the, um, you know, punk, just skate punk stuff that was just like, um, that just went perfect with skating, you know? And so it was just like, um, I don't know that kind of got it going. And then, and yeah, seven seconds, like, I don't know. We always love listening to them. And then like all in descendants, like once her descendants and all, I think was on one of those mixtapes. I was like, that really, really stuck with us. I mean, we love those guys. Like it just was like the perfect blend of like energy and pop and, and, and like the, the guitar playing, everything was, there was technical parts of it and all that stuff. And so they were a huge, just a huge like inspiration influence on us in those days of like, we just, you know, loved everything they did. And so, um, then going, you know, like once, once you're going to high school, it's like, that's when, you know, Nirvana and all that stuff, you know, the grunge scene really started taking off. And, and, uh, and that was cool too. Totally. Like was totally in Nirvana and Soundgarden and, you know, Pearl Jam, all that stuff that was coming out. Cause it just was new and different than what people were probably used to on the, on their, um, you know, whatever pop radio and all that stuff. So, mm -hmm. so, but I could definitely say like from like the, in the world of punk and skate, like, yeah, listening to all the descendants, that was probably, you know, my 
favorite and and you know, all, all of us just loved it like it was like yeah that that that's great like i said that perfect blend of technical ability and pop and and just energy was great so the show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like, man, that parking space, it's always taken. And I wish that I would be able to like get it instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. And then all of a sudden you explode on a coworker or a friend or a family member being like the parking spot. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is where therapy comes in. And I love working with BetterHelp because I'm a huge advocate for therapy, broadly speaking. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is so easy because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you are not vibing with the therapist for any reason, you can switch it out at no additional charge. Get things off of your chest with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. And, and importantly, humor too, because I think that yeah. really, like, you know, as a kid, like you, you go through the, you know, whatever, between the ages of like 11 and 15, like anytime music or something injects humor into it, you are almost predisposed to like liking it even more. You're like, oh, these dudes are funny. Like that Wiener Schnitzel song is hilarious. Yeah, right. Oh, there's toilet paper on the cover. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. They're yeah. singing about farts, but you know, yeah. like, they also like girls. Like, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, that's true. It's just, they were they just had that sense of humor too. That was just like fun, and it wasn't you know, there was no judgment or whatever. Like my brother and I went and saw the documentary that came out. I guess that was a while back. Now it was 
six or seven years ago, but it was, it was mm-hmm. so awesome just seeing that kind of behind the scenes and that personal side of it. So, so yeah, but that definitely played a part too. Like, oh, they're just, you know, having fun, goofing off and just making music. So. Right. Right. And, and I think the, I, I, I'm putting words in your mouth because I also have a large affinity for descendants, but like, I think also just that, uh, the approachable nature of what they were talking about too, where it's like, it felt like problems that you were going through as opposed to, you know, whatever other punk bands would be singing about stuff where you're just like, damn dude. Um, I know this is a problem, but like, I, I haven't experienced that or I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah that's definitely something about like the, like descendants for sure when they'd sing about you know more emotional stuff like relationships girls or whatever it was like oh wow you can you know they put that right in a song and then i have that memory too of um hearing jawbreaker for the first time where i was like yeah like um i heard you know i heard him i just was like wow that that you know just putting it all out there and just being really you know um uh just you know whatever uh just open about stuff like that or just and it was, so I have that memory of like being those, you know, I think it was in high school or her, um, uh, on fun. And I just was like, man, wow, that's really cool. It has this really cool blend. And that had, that had the same thing where, or, you know, <clears throat> a cool mix of stuff where it was, um, you know, the emotional side of it, the lyrics were really cool. And then they had the pop thing, but they also had this kind of darker side too, that, that I was like, Oh, you know, it was different than descendants where this, you know, they're more, popping up beat or whatever this was more just like okay what's this darker kind of you know whatever um parts and things like that that i re- that kind of struck me at that point and that probably started to push me down the path of like other you know other music for sure sure absolutely and, and when you started to uh, i guess bring all this home like both you and your brother um you know because it's <laughs> It's one thing if parents have to reckon with like, oh man, you know, one of my kids is getting into something that I don't understand is weird, but you both were bringing this home. You know, did your parents look at you guys being kind of like, well, I I don't understand this. It's okay. It doesn't seem super destructive, but, um, you know, like, what is this yelling music? Like what, what is this? You know, how did, did that cause any, I guess, friction in the household? (laughs) No, my parents, they were understanding. They were cool with it. Um, they were, you know, it wasn't, I won't. I don't know if it was their cup of tea, you know, like they would, um, my dad had like folk records and blue blues records and stuff like that. But he, you know, he totally was a rock guy too. So it wasn't, um, whatever. And if they, they never, you know, judged it at all, they just were like, and when we started playing music and it was like this different side of us where, you know, we're, you know, being loud and yelling stuff like that. It was, they were just always supportive. We would, you know, practice in our attic or basement or whatever. And, and whether it was, you know, skateboarding too, my, my dad would help us build ramps and things like that. And so it was, it was, yeah, support, which I feel really lucky for. I know, uh, yeah, I'm sure, you know, it could be like, kind of like, where, what is this new thing, <laughs> you know, whatever, but they were, they were always supportive. They drive us to shows and, and whatever, they just were cool about it. So I think it was probably like partly just like keeping track of us too. Like, cool. Yeah. We're going to, we'll take you to that show and we'll, we'll be in the sure. parking lot. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's just, that's cool. Cause that, that definitely is a experience like when parents may not exactly understand what you're doing, but they understand that you are passionate about the thing or, um, you know, uh, want, want to participate in something. I think that's what most parents are looking for. So, you know, that's cool that you had that, that more permissive experience. Yeah, we were, it, it drove us. I mean, we were definitely like, it made us want to make music and create art and just be, be a part of something, you know? And so I, I don't, I don't know if I really t- talked about it with them, but like, yeah, I mean, they saw like we were, 
doing stuff, you know, we were just mm-hmm. whatever, creating stuff. And so I think that was probably heartening for them a little bit to say, cool, because they always did their own thing too. You know, my dad was a builder and like my mom did art and, you know, so it was like, cool, they're these, they're doing, this is their thing. You know, it's, it's the same core foundational things, just creating and making things being creative, but just a different <laughs> spin on it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, I'm, I'm going to presume, I mean, is small brown bike essentially like your first band or did you and your brother do, um, some other stuff before that? Yeah, we had had like in high school, we had had like, you know, kind of pop punk bands, stuff like that, where we do covers and we, you know, and so it was just like, just kind of learning how to make music really just kind of figuring out like, you know, chords and what's cool together and what, what doesn't work. And, you know, it is definitely influenced by, you know, West coast, um, just kind of you know, fast pop punk kind of stuff, skate stuff. Um, and then once, you know, once we left, like moved out and, and went to college and stuff like that is when we really, that's when small round bike really started. Cause it was like, well, we want to start something that, um, I don't know, just had, it was like I said, I was going down that path of more just like whatever, uh, darker, just whatever, just kind of a blend of something different. And so that's when it really got focused and said, yeah, let's, let's do this. So, Sure, sure. Please, please tell me one or two of the early band names that you had for not Small Brown Bike, but obviously those uh, pop punk cover acts. Oh man, oh it's so it's so goofy. Uh, well, that's the <laughs> that is the point, Mike. That's why these these I'm first horrible band names. This. It's okay. Uh, oh man, I can't. We <laughs> don't worry. It's okay. I won't. Okay. I won't press you. I just. I feel. I just find it. it it's so funny, and I'm sure that me saying this will you know, you'll completely agree when you start naming your first bands, like yeah. you don't even need to know what the band sounds like. You could just figure it out. by the name. <laughs> Right. I have, I probably have, you know, I'm, I'm, I save a lot of stuff too. So I probably have like a notebook <laughs> or like scratch, just horrible ideas of when I was, you know, 15 years old, a band I names and stuff like that. So yeah. of course you come up with a list of like 40 names and then you go through it with your friends to be like, Hey guys, what's your, yeah. what's your band name? You're like, well, here, I got 40 ideas. Let's go. Right, through it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't do anything in math class today. So here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and so what, what you, you obviously, like you said, you went to college, uh, what were you guys studying? Like, what were you, you know, doing? Because you, clearly there was, uh, you know, not the, uh, and frankly, there was never a focal point with small brown bike to be like, oh yeah, let's turn this thing into a career, whatever that means. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> so what, totally. did you, what were you guys studying? Yeah, I was like, I was getting into, you know, like video audio production, like the whole thing, like, well, I like music and I like this world of, you know, whatever this industry. And so I might as well be you know, like um, start down this path. And so I was at, I went to Michigan state university and they had a program of just like, um, you know, communication mass, you know, media arts and stuff like that. And so I was like, cool. So, um, and this is before the internet was really taken off. Um, and so I had this, if, if probably asked me more at the time, I'd be like, yeah, it'd be cool to be like a, uh, environmental, like documentary filmmaker kind of thing. You could travel and, and, um, you know, whatever, do awesome videos and just travel the world, stuff like that. So, um, but, it, and then I, at the end of that, right near the end of, um, going to college, like that's when the internet was starting to take off. And I took like a, you know, multimedia class or whatever, and took my first kind of web design development class. And that really stuck where it was like, 
you know, it was so much easier, the, um, the DIY part of it, where it's like, you know, where video production, if you're in a studio or an even audio, it requires a lot of people. At least it did then where you're like, okay, there's a dozen people here to try to make a, a show or, or whatever, um, or to you know do a documentary. So with web, I just was like, oh, wow, this is cool because I can do everything. You know, I can design it and code it and publish it and all that stuff. And so that stuck with me really. And I still do that today. That just took me through where I just knew like, and you know, at that point we were working on Dan, our drummer, he was getting into web stuff too and graphic design. And so we were just like, you know, building our own websites and stuff like that. So, so that's where I finished. And, you know, once I was done, I just stayed in that world of like design and just kind of development and all that stuff. And so, but we used that a ton in the band. We'd always be redesigning our website or whatever, you know, so. Right. But being able to do everything on one, you know, just kind of have the, the power to like create and design and develop and publish something was really powerful at that point, you know? Sure. Sure. Well, and what you're talking about with you taking those disciplines over to, you know, what you do with the band, like it's so, uh, it's so fun to be self-contained, you know, where you're just Mm -hmm. like, Oh yeah, like we can build our own website and design our own shirts and stuff like that. Yeah. Like we don't need to, you know, throw a hundred dollars to, you know, a random person to put up a website. Cause at that time, obviously that was, you know, you didn't have Squarespace or anything like that. Right. Yeah, totally. I mean, we just, that's what all of us really got into was that, my brother does, you know, he's a photographer and does video now. And it's like, but you know, at that time, all the, any shirt that we did or any uh, album cover and all that stuff was designed by us. And, you know, we, we had a huge part in that whole, the whole creative thing, not just making the music and recording it, but also the whole, you know, design and, and, you know, creation of it. And that was, I love that stuff. And to me, that's just as fun. It's just like, cool. What's this record going to be called? And what's the, you know, artwork going to be and what fire are we going to use and all that stuff. It was definitely an art project from, you know, start to finish. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you guys were being creative directors without even knowing that's a title. Right. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, that's and that's what I, I love too, about, you know, people that uh, exist in the DIY scene and playing bands and you're doing all these things, you're developing skills that you, of course, at the time can't articulate, but you know, doing merch counts, like you're learning accounting, you know? Right. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, I learned yeah, so much stuff. I mean, gosh, it's music gave me so much from that. Yeah. The business side of stuff to the marketing and, you know, sales or whatever, and just traveling and seeing the, the country. I mean, geez, I mean, it's such a cool experience now to look back on that, you know, again, coming out from, you know, the small town and then getting to explore the, the country was just like such a huge opportunity, but yeah, it did. I mean, it, it was our DIY lesson, you know, and as much, you know, uh, college was, was, um, super useful and fun and just to get out and meet new people and all that stuff. But I learned a ton from just being out in the world and doing music and seeing how the world worked and, and learning about myself, just how to create stuff and what I liked and didn't like and um, all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And so once you started to, you know, get out there and play shows and, and tour a little bit with small brown bike, what was touring, uh, I guess what you anticipated it being. I mean, I know when you're kind of drinking from the fire hose at that age of just like, everything's new and exciting. Um, but was, uh, you know, was tour what you expected or was it something completely different? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it was, I mean, we really, it was really exciting. I mean, the way I think back of it now is that, yeah, I mean, the, the opportunity just to go play Fireside, drive to Chicago or something was super cool because we're about right halfway in between Chicago and Detroit. So we could go over to Detroit and play or Chicago. And so and so that was our first start kind of getting out, you know, um, playing 
we play around Michigan for sure and go play Detroit. And then we started to go to Chicago and then it, you know, just kept expanding into, um, you know, North Carolina and then we, you know, make our way to Florida and all that stuff. So I guess, um, and yeah, at that point, you know, it's just us in this conversion van. I mean, just the total, you know, DIY, throw your stuff in the back and try to, you know, figure it out. It had a map, no phones, you know, just got directions scribbled down in a notebook from the email that the guy sent or whatever. So, um, it was exciting on all those fronts for sure. And then as we, you know, as we get to get go on more tours and stuff, I mean, it was, yeah, it was places that I had never been before the East coast and going to, you know, New York and DC and then eventually going to California and all that stuff. So at least <clears throat> my memory of it, the early days of touring definitely was like, this is fun. This is, this is really cool. I always, you know, since my time in, you know, high school or whatever, I always had like a show to look forward to like, okay, we've got a show in a month. We got a show, you know, in two months or whatever. Touring was that every day. It's like, cool. We got a show tomorrow. You know, we got something to look forward to, something to work towards. And so, um, so it was, yeah, those, it was definitely great. And, you know, and then definitely, you know, mid later years where it can be exhausting where it's like, okay, we're, you know, long drives. We, we drove all the way home from California one time, you know, 35 hour drive or whatever. And so yeah. <laughs> I don't want to sugarcoat it either. There were t- plenty of times on tour where we were exhausted and I just wanted to be home. It's like, nope, this is not fun right now. So, right. Uh, but at least yeah, initially yeah. when we were pulling out and just like, going it was it was that excitement like you know just having a good time and just enjoying the the road so Mm -hmm. and because of that you know once you guys started to get a little traction like you know once you obviously signed a new idea and started putting out records and then i mean i personally just from an outsider's uh, perspective you know dead reckoning really kind of you know put you into you know a different uh class of what you you know might have previously been Mm -hmm. and the business implications started to, you know, kind of come into play, um, you know, and I use those terms maybe in air quotes, but like once you had to be like, damn, dude, like we're getting paid $500 to play this show and like we just sold $700 worth of merch or whatever, like, mm-hmm. you know, money started to come in. Like, did you enjoy the aspect of doing the the business of the band or was that kind of, you know, cumbersome for you because you were like, I don't really want to deal with this? You know, where'd right. you kind of sit? Yeah, I actually, I, I enjoyed it. You know, like it was like, that was part of the whole thing. Like I liked kind of, um, if anybody was, you know, quote unquote, kind of the band, you know, you know, manager ish or whatever, I, I guess I would have been me. I mean, we all contributed in our own ways. I don't want to, you know. Oh yeah, of course. Anything there, yeah. Doing. There's always like the one, yeah. I, I'm interrupting you here, but like, yeah, yeah, there's always the kind of like band dad or whatever that, you know, it's yeah. like, oh yeah, they, that person's talking to the label or that ter- person's talking to the, you know, um, promoter or whatever. So yeah. Yeah. That generally fell in my lap. Just, I don't know why just, I mean, but I guess I enjoyed it. I would, I would be the one. Yeah. Um, doing that, doing that stuff. And then just kind of saying, okay, we made it right. We made a hundred bucks. Cool. Let's put, you know, I'd have my notebook and yep. hundred bucks for gas money. And then, nope, we spent 50 bucks on a hotel and all that stuff. It's just in my DNA to just kind of do that stuff, whether, you know, it's important or not, but, but yeah, definitely. Um, and so once, but you know, and then we'd have, uh, you know, somebody on tour with us who was, you know, the merch guy or whatever. And so I'd, we'd kind of share the duties and, and eventually it got to be like, cool, you just do this. Like, I don't, you know, once we saw some of the other bands too, like they'd have a tour manager or somebody would be like, Oh, that's, that's nice. Then I don't have to, you know, worry about every single thing I can focus more on playing or whatever. So, um, but for the most part in early, yeah, I didn't mind it. It was like, cool, let's, let's just keep track of this and try to be, you know, whatever smart as we can about it. So. Right. Right. No, that's cool. Cause I, I do think that some, 
some people, uh, you know, especially with bands, they're, they get thrust into that position of, you know, being the business person when they're like, well, just because I know how to use Excel doesn't mean I necessarily like want to do this or like I'm good at doing yeah. this. And so then, yeah. you know, sometimes it could be a uh, weird th- responsibility that's thrust upon the person, especially too from the conception of, oh, this person's the singer. So of course they're going to handle the business. It's like, <laughs> yeah. no, like that's not, that's not the yeah. best course of action. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I, I probably, there were probably times when I probably got, too much, you know, or just like spent a lot of time, whether it was dealing with, you know, whatever the money or the, even the non-music stuff, you know, or it's like that I, I probably didn't need to do all that, but it was just me being me, you know, whatever. And, um, and it may, you know, I, it probably eventually played a little bit of role in like getting a little bit burnt out too. You're like, okay, we got to order shirts. We got to do this, whatever. When you're not really doing the core essence of what the band, <laughs> what really, why you started the band in the first place was to play music and have fun, you know, play shows and stuff like that. So, but overall, I mean, somebody's, you know, got to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise it's like, uh, Hey, this tour is not going to book itself. This merch right. isn't going to order itself. Yeah. yeah <laughs> uh, when did you, uh, I guess kind of feel like the band was real. Um, and mm. you know, what I mean by that is like, it doesn't even necessarily need to be like, Oh my gosh, we played this show in front of, you know, 800 people or whatever. But you know, when did you start to, I guess, feel that there was uh, for lack of a better term, like momentum where it's like, Oh my gosh, like this is, this seems you know, crazy that this mm-hmm. is like to 10 people are singing along and I don't know any of them or whatever. Yeah. There were a few kind of moments probably that each one was a new phase in the band in some ways. Um, sure. I think one that um, I think about sometimes is uh, there used to be uh, Michigan fest, which was, I don't know how many years it ran, but you know, it was a, at a um, VFW hall down in, like Detroit area and Wayne where, you know, a ton of bands would get together every year and play. It was just the thing. Um, and, and we always like, Oh, that's really cool. I mean, it was all different kinds of bands from all over the, the nation, you know? And so, um, and we played that, I think it was 99. It was right after, right before our own wars, our first record. I had no idea was coming out. Um, and just the nature of a fest like that, there's, you know, 800 or a thousand people packed in this VW VFW hall anyway. And they're just going to see the next band, whether they like them or not. Um, but we got on and and we played it, you know, early evening or something like that, I want to say. But it just, it went nuts. I mean, people went nuts. It was just really, really like one, of, at least from my remember, one of the first times where it was like, whoa, this is really fun. <laughs> it was like people were, you know, just singing along. And it, it just was one of those moments that I'll, that I'll never forget, you know, just like, cool well people are you know we played small shows around like that but nothing that big where it was just like um that exciting and it felt like a new kind of like open the door of like what's possible like oh okay people can you know <laughs> would react to our music like that so and it was just a good positive energy for sure so yeah um, no that's all that honestly fests are just because they're you know a more rare commodity on a DIY level. Like, you know, it's either, you know, Coachella, Lollapalooza, or then, you know, maybe you're, you're lucky enough to get like, you know, a, a, a fest that goes from year to year. Whereas mm-hmm. like, you know, in the mid to late nineties, like fests, you know, more the music and everything else, there was so much stuff happening <laughs> and yeah. it's just harder to pull that off. But to your point, the idea of playing a fest and like, you know, being like, there are so many other things you could be doing right now, but you're in this room 
you're watching my band <laughs> play right now and right. that and you're freaking out like this is crazy this is awesome yeah yeah that was really that was that was fun a cool moment for sure um later you know once we when when hot water on our hot water took us on tour because another band broke up we got on this tour with them and saves the day and this was i think it was 99 um it was 2000 i don't know but that was that's where we really were like you know been never been in the east coast before we jammed all our stuff into our van and just went for it of course i mean it's like you can't turn on tour like that it was so so exciting and once we started we started playing a few shows we were you know the openers on that tour but we um the time we got up into like boston and philly um you know huge crowds and but they were there were there were always a handful of people reacting to our music and it was like that was cool too just to be so far away from you know our home state and there's somebody in the front row you know singing lyrics along to you that's when it was started like say like wow this is yeah this is something kind of going on here for sure for us Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu sure yeah this 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 felt um like that like yeah we were talking about momentum so yeah mm-hmm. um i i find it you were talking about this a little bit earlier in regards to um you know the sonic evolution of the band and you guys starting to you know incorporate like that you're not just going to be simply releasing you know every record that is just like a slight tweak on what you were doing previously um you know you guys were 
were wanting to push yourselves. I mean, especially with the riverbed that was, you know, I remember when that record came out and it was one of those things where it's not as jarring as like a, like a cave in Jupiter where it was like, Whoa, what the, (laughs) what is this? But like, there was definitely like, okay, like it's a little more subdued. There's more layers, there's more textures, but then it was interesting because I saw, um, you know, just whatever from like a, a music journalist standpoint, like people who just had written you guys off as like this, you know, whatever dumb loud punk band were like oh no there's like more to this like i I don't know i might be reading too much into it but like did you guys notice there were those like divisions of camps where it's like okay like small bar break isn't this this band that i like anymore and then you know like newer people were at your shows or what was the uh you know i guess the internal observation that you you guys were seeing yeah yeah i mean we definitely um you know um that's where we wanted to go. You know, it's just like a thing like, well, we want to kind of push it further. And, um, we had been just, you know, internally, that's just how we, we didn't want to kind of stay the same and just kind of try new things. That's what we wanted to do. So when, you know, we had toured with, um, cursive, who we became really good friends with and watching, you know, they, in so many ways kind of pushed whatever indie rock, whatever into this, their own thing, you know, whether it was adding a cello, um, but it just was inspiring. And then we had had the opportunity to tour with like cave in and Sparta at one point, you know, and it's just like these bands, all those, those bands were all heavy. They all play rock music, but just sonically it was just a broader spectrum of stuff, you know? And so that definitely influenced us where it's like, yeah, th- that's just, it's just cool. And let's try, let's try some new experimental stuff just to, you know, from our side, it wasn't, like we're you know going free jazz or anything but it was just like right um just yeah just trying to kind of push it forward so um and and so i guess yeah the camps it's hard because i don't i didn't really see it as much as you know nobody ever came up to us like man you guys really suck now you're really no good yeah right (laughs) it's like so we kind of um, fortunately we were, you know, like I said, when we toured with bands that we were in the same vein with people understood it. I think when we, um, I, I thought about this, we've talked about it, like when Riverbed came out, you know, um, it did, it was kind of, it was different and new, not as you know, like, you know, whatever, uh, aggressive it, right out of the get, get go, but it had those heavier moments, you know, that I think were just more deeper, emotional, whatever, but it took a few years, but then when we got back together a few years after that, you know, those were the songs people were like, man, I really love that song. Or so we get feedback now or in recent years, that's like, I really love that record, like that one, whatever. And so it's just one of those things that maybe it grew on some people after a while. And I get it. We've all been there. I've been there where I'm just like, you know, a band puts out a record, like, ah, I just don't know. And then you come back to it six months later or a year later and you're like, man, this record is great. So so yeah, like, I get it. I get it now. I get it. Yeah, totally. Yep, totally. So, and, and, and honestly, I, I think that that is, and, and it's so, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the word. It, it, it's so difficult when, you know, you are a band that, you know, is, starts to release material that is, you know, not markedly different, but is obviously expanding your, your, your sonic palette, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe to use a music journalist quote or whatever, but <laughs> they, the idea that, you know, then you're still doing the work, like you're still doing the work of touring and making sure that people are aware that your new record is out. And like, there's just that, um, you know, level of uh, toil that you put into it to where sometimes you don't have the time to, you know, for people, it's like five years later, they're like, oh, actually now I like that record. And you're like, 
damn it, like <laughs> we're not playing shows anymore, <laughs> whatever you know. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And I'm sure that that I mean, because I, I know you, you guys uh, you basically stopped playing shows in like two, around 2004, 2005. You would say, mm-hmm. yeah, 2004 is when we put our our last shows at that point, right? And and I know that it was like you know the the last like full U.S. stuff that you guys did with uh, Casket Lottery, like that was kind of you know the tour or the or the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, and, and and was it one of those things where you guys were just feeling that pull of like, I mean, I know you've expressed this before where the band wasn't, you know, quote unquote fun anymore. Like it, mm-hmm. a lot of the original enjoyment was kind of, you know, maybe removed for a, a myriad of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but was it, uh, did you guys just feel that pull? Like, okay, like we got to join real life, whatever that may mm-hmm. mean, or you, what was going on in your heads? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, into the music element, I think that pushing the, you know, adding kind of new sonic elements and just kind of experimenting more, I think in, in some ways, um, it was challenging too. It was like, it wasn't easy internally for us. We were just like trying to, um, you know, struggle. Sometimes we'd have demos like, yeah, that's just not there yet. You know, we need to figure it out. It took, it was, I don't don't know if it was harder to write at that point, but it was just, um, it required more of us in some ways where, okay, let's kind of, you know, crack this code or figure out how we're going to, you know, write a six minute song or you know what I mean or not not we don't intentionally writing a six minute song but it just kind of so some of those challenges there for how we work together as a band and like um pushing that that art forward you know and so um and at times it was frustrating at times it was great you know I mean there's there's definitely some of the songs from that era where I they're the most you know I'm most connected to and we we play them live in recent years I'm really you know really just uh, whatever uh connected to it i'm like god this is this really worked out <laughs> you know there are other times i'm like mm-hmm. god this that that could have been different or better i changed that or whatever so so i think some of the internal just like art creating with four people and trying to push it into a different you know direction was um was part of it and then also just the yeah for sure just like the probably the exhaustion of just like um yeah the being on the road and then coming home and we'd, you know, we'd make some money on the road, but it was never enough to, you know, just live and forever and whatever. We'd constantly have to do this, this juggling act of come home and work and then plan the next tour. And then, you know, and all this, all that. So um, for me personally, yeah. I mean, I think I was getting to the point where I was like, um, yeah, just the sound of being home and being free of some of all that stuff that had just piled up for years. was just, that was something that, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. You know, I'm just, I can't speak for everyone in the band, but I, we all obviously were like to that point where it's like, this is, isn't uh, clicking anymore in some ways. And, and what's, you know, there's other things I want to pursue that the band's probably just getting in the way of at this point that, you know, that kind of constant roller coaster of on the road, off the road or out, make a record and all that stuff. So, um, and it just was, yeah, it was just taking its toll for sure. Personally, everybody's just like, yeah, this is, um, this just whatever it's time (laughs) for sure so yeah well and i think too because of the the place where you guys were coming from of just like we're pursuing these opportunities as they're coming to us you know tours record deals like you know the forward momentum of the band you know kind of pushes you forward and sometimes you don't have the time to think about like what is it that we're actually doing like you know we're not we know that this isn't going to be like our thing. Like we're not going to be mm-hmm. 70 years old and doing this or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so it's only when you kind of run into that wall, you know, sometimes maybe during good times, sometimes maybe during bad times. But yeah, the perspective of where you guys were coming from, it's like, well, we knew this wasn't a thing. So like, (laughs) why are we beating ourselves up about this? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, we were definitely in, I guess, the shorter term thinking at that point. I think for the last, you know, year or so of the band, we were always, it was just kind of like looking at the next three months or the next, you know, thing and, and the long term or the the bigger picture had just kind of been, you know, drowned out. And that's just the nature of it. It's not anybody's fault. It's just the, the world that, you know, you're just like, okay, what's next? And what's the next project? And what's the next thing? And, and so you lose kind of, you, you lose that ability to step back and be like, what's going on here from a big picture kind of thing. So, so yeah. Totally. What about, what am I doing here? Wait, well, hold on. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's take a pause here. Yeah. Um, two last things I want to hit on was the, um, you know, once you, you guys obviously decided to break up and, um, you know, give uh, everybody that kind of space that, you know, you, everybody wanted from, you know, exploring other things, doing other bands. I mean, obviously you've done a lot of stuff with LaSalle and, you know, Abel Baker Fox and everything, but was it difficult for you to kind of transition out of the, the, you know, that cycle of like the, the touring cycle and then being known as like, Oh, like Mike from small Brown bike. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, that sort of identity that gets, uh, you know, intrinsically wrapped up in being in a band. Uh, was that a difficult process or were you able to kind of step away and be like, Oh yeah, like, uh, let's, you know, let's set down the roots and I don't necessarily like look at myself like that. So it's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the 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 weight of of the band off my shoulders was definitely just like a, a relief and at that point where and I guess a lot of it me was focused on just the road, just being on and off and touring and all that stuff, where that um just not having that on you know on the shoulders was was like a breath of fresh air, like cool and I can just be at home and um you know, I lived with my now wife, Katie, at that point, and we were just like, we had a house and we had a dog and we would, you know, we were playing music, she plays music. And so it was just that kind of thing where the music, the core thing that I really cared about, the art of it was still there. And I almost immediately was, you know, working on music, you know, even after Small and Bike broke up, it was like, cool, what's, what's next, you know? And so, um, so it was definitely like, it was that relief for sure existed, but it was the the core part of it, just playing music and whatever. It was like, not, I still was ready to go back and do that again. Not, I won't say immediately, but it was not long after it was like, I just had to, you know, play music again. And that's when Katie and I and Dan started LaSalle and it was just like, cool, let's just keep playing music. And I guess it was that, <clears throat> not the, all the other stuff that went along with it, the, the, the tours and all that stuff, which sounds weird, you know, like that, cause of, you know, initially that stuff was really, really fun, but it was just a, it was a relief to just be home and just focused on just life and whatever. And, but still have music in it for sure. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, it's been evident over the past, you know, whatever 10 or so years of independent music where, you know, I mean, every band doing reunions and coming back, you know, you guys included where, the understanding that this doesn't need to be like the all consuming thing where it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, we have to play 300 shows a year. Otherwise, <laughs> like no one's going to care or whatever like that, you know, getting on that hamster wheel, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's obviously for some people and some bands, but like not every band has to fit into that, uh, that mold. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm sure that's what kind of unlocked everything for you guys where it's like, Oh, Hey, we don't like, we can just play shows when we want to. Like if if it's available, you know? (laughs) Right. That was huge. I mean, the shows that we did more recently in 2009, 10, you know, that like, I think that's, well, whatever. 
when, yeah, 2015, whatever, where we were just, we were just playing a few fests and just like, we, you know, we'd fly into a show or we went down to Austin and played a show or Atlanta. It was just like super, super fun. I mean, just that is, I mean, that's really in so many ways for where we're at. And what, yeah, that's why a lot of other bands, same thing. It's like just the ideal situation where you can still make music with your friends, but you get to do it, you know, here and there and, and just do the really fun shows, you know, especially the fest where it's like, again, there's already thousands of people there anyway. So <laughs> they're going right. to you whether they like it or not, but, but yeah, yeah. So, so that was fun. It was definitely a fun time to do those shows. Yeah. Well, and plus it's, uh, I mean, at that point it's like a vacation. You're just like, Oh, oh wow. Like, yep. yeah, we get to play, we get to play a show in, in, in Gainesville and do that. Like, cool. That's great. Yep. Totally. Yeah. And that's how we saw it for sure. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, the uh, the last thing I'd be remiss if I did not mention the uh, casket lottery split because I mean, still to this day, like it's funny because, and I'm sure this this thought has been echoed to you before, where um, that you know that that split is so not only damn good, but it's just it's so interesting because you know a lot of bands have tried to do that of like, oh yeah, I'll, well you know you'll cover our song and like maybe we'll write a song together and like it does it never comes to fruition. But um, the way that you guys put that together, and then especially too with the you know the the Queen cover, um, <laughs> like that just uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess there isn't a question <laughs> really, but, yeah. embedded in this, but just the idea of like, I guess was that like once you guys decided on the idea um, and decided to do this, you know, collaboratively, was it I guess relatively easy once you got into the studio? Like, how long did you spend in the studio doing that? Yeah, that's, that was, I mean, it's just still, that was really, really fun, you know, because at that point in the, the scene, you know, the time, you know, bands would do splits and, and trading songs and all that stuff. So just to, it was, it was fun. And those guys, I mean, just like, you know, one of our best band buddies for sure. We've known them since, I guess, I think we met 98 or something like that. So, um, so it was, it was super fun. And in the way, you know, it worked, we had, um, sent each other like tapes of songs, you know, whatever, uh, we did a song and then Nathan sang on it and then they did a song and I sang on it. Um, it was really fun. And I think in some ways, you know, I'm thinking about it now, just realizing this, that it contributed to probably how we kind of push forward into that next chapter of our sound a little bit, because I remember being in the studio and, you know, we did the drums on under pressure, you know, Ed Rose had, they had gotten like this crazy kit, that oh, it, it was like the drums had like tuba at the end of them. Like, and so when you hit the echo through the whole room and I, and it was something like, I think Ed had found out, or that was like the original drums that they had used on the original recording when David Bowie and Queen did it. So, um, and it was so super cool. Like, just like, um, it just kind of, again, pushed us forward creatively, like creatively just to say like, you know, whatever, let's just have fun with this and whatever. And I also, there's a song, um, Riding with Death on there, like the acoustic song where Nathan and I both sing on that. But I remember, you know, that was the first time I ever sang quietly into a microphone and it was terrifying. I mean, I remember stepping into that. I just, <laughs> right. I, I, it's one of those things that sticks with me. It was acoustic, pedal steel, really quiet. Um, I, but I love the song. But man, I remember the first time like opening my mouth to like sing those lyrics. It was, it was, it was terrifying for sure. And so, um, but it taught me something. And so it, it kind of pushed us, you know, that it pushed us into this, you know, the next chapter in a lot of ways, that split, just being totally free of any expectation, having the confidence a little bit that you're doing it with another band that it's like, Hey, you know, we can, you know, whatever, uh, 
do something different here. It was, it was just really fun. So, so it's cool to hear that. I mean, yeah, we still hear feedback on it. Like people, you know, talk about the split and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's definitely one of those things that kind of, you know, pushed us forward and just create creatively. So. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, it, it, it and uh, you, I, I really like that you articulated the fact that, you know, your influences were ping ponging off of one another and, mm-hmm. you know, both of you guys at, as collective band units were shaped by that to explore your own sounds further. Cause like it, it is really cool when that happens. Cause like you said, most of the time splits exist out of like, <laughs> just out of, okay, we're friends. Let's do a split. Like, maybe our fans will like your band or vice versa. Like mm-hmm. that was the whole idea, but you guys really, you know, I mean, and not to say that you invented the idea because clearly bands have done that before, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it was just interesting. And did you, I presume that because of its, you know, relative success or notoriety, like, did you guys ever uh, talk about being like, yo, let's do that again. Or did you, <laughs> I mean, or, or, did you, or go ahead. No, it's just kidding. Or, or did you guys just kind of like, oh no, like, you know, let, let, let sleeping dogs lie. Yeah. A part two. Yeah. I mean, that really yeah. was the seed of what became Abel Baker Fox, you know, sure, like, you, true. Nathan and I just really were like, uh, you know, we've just been friends for, I mean, we still, you know, text every week. It's like we, um, and so that's where, you know, it gave us that, that eye opening, like, uh, oh, it's fun to play together. Like we really just have similar styles, but different, like Nathan does stuff that I would never think of. And, and I think vice versa where, um, and same thing, you know, with, so that's where, when Abel Baker Fox started, um, we were just like, yeah, we know we already work together well in studio and we know that we can write songs together. And so that Abel Baker Fox is a completely like, here, I'll send you a riff and you send me a riff back. And that band just kind of like the first record we did with Ed Rose, we were in the studio for, I don't know, three or four days or something and put, did 10 songs in that amount of time. Maybe it was 11. I don't remember, but the, but anyway, so yeah, it kind of just got the ball rolling that we knew that we could work together in a music, you know, in music for sure. Right. Yeah. So essentially, yeah, the Abel Baker Fox is a further continuation of a split. <laughs> right. Basically. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Fair. Fair. Yeah. That, that's that. Yeah. I, I, I guess I didn't view it as such, but yeah, that's a very clear, <laughs> clear straight line you could draw between the two. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was years. Uh, I mean, it was, uh, I don't know, seven or eight years or something like that. Yeah. Or I don't know my time's bad, but anyway, yeah, that's where I live. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and now I, I promise last question in regards to, you know, I mean, like you mentioned you, your, your dad, obviously you have, uh, you know, all of the, the, the things that you were pursuing in, you know, the uh, discontinuation of the full-time touring life and stuff like that, you know, do, uh, how do your kids react to like your music and like, you know, daddy playing in a band and stuff like that? Is that, uh, is it funny for them or like, how do they uh, kind of interact with that notion yeah. of, you know, daddy being in a band? <laughs> yeah. I think it's still a little abstract to them. I mean, but they, they know, I mean, I play music and they've seen me play music, you know, whether just like locally and stuff like that. Um, um, and I, they're getting the age now. I think they think it's kind of cool. Like yeah, this, you know, okay. Like, and we have, you know, instruments around and, and, her daughter can you know play the bass and whatever and so and we have a i finally put up i had collected years of um of posters through you know through all of our shows through the years and finally this last year put them you know in in our office put them all up and so we've got this room just full of of posters and i think that really kind of opened their eyes to like whoa what is this thing you know whatever and there's all these names and all this art and all this stuff and so i think um you know it's not like it's not on purpose, but they're, they're seeing like, 
that there was this thing and that, you know, whatever, that it's, uh, it's real and whatever. So, so it'll be cool as they grow, as they grow through it, you know, whatever, I don't, I always want them to do their own thing and, and get into stuff they're into. I'm not going to be like, Hey, you know, uh, you know, look at dad's old band and you got to start a band like that or whatever. So it's just, I just, uh, I hope, but I hope it has that, that little inspiration for them that you can do whatever, you know, whatever you put your mind to just like, whether it's art, music, whatever, you can always do it. So, so it's, it's fun. And we definitely, you know, my wife and I, we play music around the house and whatever. And so they know that we were in a band that mom and dad were in a band together for years and all that stuff. So, so it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's fun. It, It is funny because the, just the way that, and I'm sure you've had this thought process where it's like, you know, realistically, you're not supposed to think what your parents do is cool in any capacity <laughs> at a certain age. And so like that idea of like, for sure, your I mean, if your kids were like, dude, dad, small broad bike rules, you kind of be like, I don't know, man, like, <laughs> I, I don't, I'd rather you hate it and then understand <laughs> yeah. it later or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I just kind of put it out there. It's just there. I don't, I don't have one way or another with them with it. I'm like, this is just part of my life and part of like right. our life not, and that you, you take what you want from it, you know? Right. You're not like, all right, guys, let's, let's sit down. We're going to listen to the entire discography. <laughs> right, I'm going yeah. to give you a director's commentary on this. <laughs> Right. Totally. No, we haven't gone there yet. So, but I'm no. sure, you know, that's something that's questions as they get older. It's like, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that all unfolds, but yeah. But, yeah. But I'm yeah, lucky right. for sure. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Mike, thank you so much, dude. I really appreciate you letting me uh, take yeah, you to all these random places, but this sure. was fun. Yeah. It was great to talk to you again. It was, uh, yeah. It was awesome. Okay. Thank you very much to Mike for coming on the show because, uh, yeah, I just punished him over email and he was like, yeah, that sounds fun. Let's go ahead and do that. Next week I have, this is what I love about the show. (laughs) I like being able to go from, from chase from gate creeper to Mike from small Brown bike. And next week I have Dylan Walker from full of hell on the show. It makes me happy because it, I try to paint with a very broad brush on this show in regards to the type of guests that I have and the type of bands because, uh, you know, like not none of us fit into a box in regards to our musical preferences. Some of us like grindcore, some of us like punk, some of us like indie rock, but then a lot of us like all of that. <laughs> and I think it's really, really fun to be able to, uh, yeah, explore all of those uh, sonic caverns, as it were. And so, uh, yeah, that's what we have for next week. Dylan Walker from Full of Hell. Love it. And here we go. Be safe, everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. 
With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.